Color STEM Conference presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with Kendall Norris for a conversation on education and wellness, emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. Up first is Corning Incorporated's Manager of Technical Talent Pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Kendall Norris. Norris is the co-founder of the Global Leadership Forum, an organization focused on connecting the world's leading STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics organizations who are engaging, educating, empowering, and transforming underserved communities and building tomorrow's workforce. He is passionate about connecting individuals and organizations so they can work more collaboratively to achieve maximum results in creating opportunities for underserved communities. He also partners with cross-sector leaders to advocate for policies that facilitate opportunities for all. Kendall's passions are people and education. He is a member of the Board of Trustees at Fisk University. He is a board member of the College of Computing and Technology at Lipscomb University and the Jackie Joyner Kersey Foundation. He serves as the STEM Chair for the Scouts BSA St. Louis Region Council and sits on the Executive Committee. He is a former board member of the Information Technology Senior Management Forum and President of the Middle Tennessee Chapter of BDPA. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Well, thank you so much and welcome everyone. It is certainly a great pleasure to have the opportunity to have a conversation yet again that is merging high tech with spiritual principles. And today's guest, as you've already heard, is an exception like no other. It is such a great honor to have the opportunity to meet with you and share this conversation. Welcome, Kendall Norris. How are you? Thanks. It's, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I don't know who wrote that intro, but thank them very much. It sounds like the, the guy you're going to talk to seems very important, so I'm hoping to live up to that, to that intro. I'm really happy to be here today. Awesome. Well, we are really looking forward to today's dialogue. As we heard, the focus is on education and wellness, and it covers the total man from the emotional to the mental to the spiritual to the physical. And so while all of these conversations have been really mission critical to have, I think when it comes to this topic of wellness, especially in the face of all that we have been through as a global community over the course of most of this decade now, uh, knowing what it is that we need to be paying attention to in terms of helping and supporting wellness is critically important. So we're looking forward to that deep dive, but it's always cool to find out how folks got to where they are. There is such diversity in the journeys that we find people have taken. So would you indulge us and, and do a little bit more of a deep dive on that introduction? Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How is it that you came to this phase of focus after having done undergrad in communications, your MBA, uh, the certification as a uh, professor 
project management professional. How did all of that get started? So it, it, it's an interesting story, and it goes way back into the early days of my career. Now, I, I grew up in northern Ohio, and, and that's football country. So uh, go Buckeyes. But we, uh, uh, as, as children, sports was such a central focus to our upbringing, and we were always active and that that was a time you know when when what we ate uh, actually was real food uh, as opposed to quite a bit of uh, what people eat today is highly processed and early in my career I had this mentor and we we went to lunch one day I remember it vividly we went to lunch one day and he asked me and this was about midway through an internship and I was working for him and he said what do you really want out of your career and I kind of had been anticipating that question so I was ready uh, with with an answer uh, but his response took me back a little bit uh, because I didn't quite expect it and and when I answered the question I said well I want to be uh, very successful as a corporate executive. I believe I have what it takes. What goes along with that is I want the wealth that comes with being a successful corporate executive because I want to take very good care of my family. I didn't come from a family of means. I came from a very underprivileged background and I want to have the means to help others. And I want to live a prosperous and happy, healthy life. And his response was, I was glad to hear you say the one key word that I care about. And that is, in order for you to be successful, if you're not born into means, if you choose to go after uh, wealth and all of the opportunities that you can get to provide for your family, and to, to help others, then the one thing you need to do is live long enough and live a healthy life to achieve that. And that was something that, that I, again, I didn't expect for that to be the response, but it stuck with me quite a bit. And that really was a, a point for me in my own um, um, personal self-care and self-awareness as to what was I eating? How was I taking care of myself? What was I doing to make sure that I had a, a wellness approach to my own lifestyle? That's a great way to get this conversation started. As we were uh, teeing up this session, uh, I heard folks talking about their weekend and uh, Lango, who we'll hand off to in just a, a few minutes, was talking about cycling and, and Ray Kennedy was talking about hiking. And I was kind of hoping they didn't get to me because they would find out that couch potato uh, unfortunately has become my specialty. So I was inspired. Uh, but this this wellness uh, is so critically important. And looking at how you have been able to take that personal experience and 
actually build upon it to help others, I think is really important for us to unpack. So in the introduction, we heard that you have a passion for education and for people. My wife has a um, a handle that says passion drives, and it sounds like you have that drive. But how did you go from that encounter as an intern and thinking about personal wellness to where you are now uh, wanting to have people and wellness be something that really stays front and center? Sure. Well, well, a couple of things. Uh, one, I was able to achieve a lot of my own personal goals. Um, I have a, ha- a happy and, and healthy family. Um, I, I've been married for 20 years. We have four beautiful children. Uh, one is a college graduate. One is a, and I'm the I'm the first of my family to graduate from college. And now my oldest daughter is a college graduate looking to get a graduate degree. Uh, my middle daughter is a successful business owner, and I have a senior uh, high school seniors, uh, twins, boy and girl, that will be graduating from high school next year. And, and my son is working in the other room on, on the ACT. So uh, once you accomplish your own personal goals, then it's a natural progression, in my opinion, to look to, well, how can I help others? Uh, otherwise, um, you're, you're not really fulfilling your holistic potential. And if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you never really get to the self-actualization at the top of the pyramid if you're not looking at how you can help others. And then the other aspect is is my own spiritual journey. Um, I, I was raised in a Christian-believing household, so I was raised to believe in God and to pursue Him first. Um, her, if others choose that. Um, but also I spent quite a bit of time in, in, in church throughout my life and quite a bit of time, uh, studying, um, not just the Christian faith, uh, but also other faiths as well. I graduated from a, a, a Jesuit undergraduate college. That's a school uh, led by the Catholic church. So I had an opportunity to study other faiths. And, and at the crux, now, all of them really boil down to um, love yourself, love your God, love your family, and take care of others around you. So I believe those are the things that really shaped my beliefs and, and what has turned into a passion for me of helping others any way that I can. Thank you for sharing that personal testimony as you were uh, talking about um, the hierarchy of need and Maslow. And then you uh, went and shared about your your spiritual side. Uh, I thought about this. um, uh, I don't know what it is. It's a it's not an equation or or a fraction, but it was the definition of joy uh, that uh, had Jesus, others and yourself. Uh, and so that's kind of what you what you just alluded to uh, when you said, you know, if you keep God first and then you are uh, taking care of your neighbor, which, of course, includes your family. It includes uh, your colleagues. Uh, and then 
certainly take care of yourself. That is how you actually find a real joy. Uh, and so it's certainly uh, great to hear uh, how that merger, if you will, has been represented in your experience. So we want to really get a clear understanding about why wellness education is important. And so I'm going to hand it off to uh, my co-host, uh, Lango Dean, to take us further in the conversation. Hey, Lango. Hi, Dr. Vaughn. Thanks again. Welcome again, Mr. Norris, and it's a real pleasure to talk to you today. Um, it's such an important topic. Um, one of my favorite people is Dr. Jerome Adams. You know, he's the Vice Admiral in the uh, U.S. Public Health Service. And incidentally, what he does now is what our 2020 Technologies of the Year, Rear Admiral Trent, uh, Sylvia Trent Adams did for, for a while, a uh, couple of years, and she in fact was the first nurse to do it. And the reason I start off with him, because in 2018, he published an article called The Value of Wellness. And in that article, as Surgeon General, he talked about uh, the, you know, the United States role as the global leader, in medical research and medical care, but he also talked about what the, the country spends $3.2 trillion annually on healthcare, uh, which is a lot of money. And as a, someone who has served as a senior vice president in a top corporation, you know that what that means when it impacts businesses. Um, and we look at things like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, uh, pulmonary disease and all the leading causes of death and disability. So we have that on one side. And then we also look at what you in the private uh, sector, uh, the business community are doing in terms of what wellness means within the business sector. Uh, the productivity losses as a result of employees who don't come to work or, or are sick. And um, we, know, we all know about the open opioid addiction and other non-fatal overdoses and other things that it, so I, I set that stage because I want you in a way to touch on all of those things as you define to us what the problem of wellness is from your standpoint. Sure. So the, the I'll, I'll talk a little about uh, what the definition of wellness means to me. And um, I, I, I tend to think uh, holistically. Uh, part of that probably is my training uh, for many, many years and, and, and functioning as a systems engineer. Um, when you're a systems engineer, you have to think of the whole system. You can't just think in component parts. And for me, wellness is a systems thinking approach to your own personal health and, and wellness. And, and it is an active process of becoming aware and, and making choices toward a healthy and fulfilling life. And the wellness approach matters most because everything we do and every emotion we feel relates to our well-being or lack thereof. So in turn, you know, our well-being directly affects our actions and emotions and our school systems. So, so there's two places where, where, where we learn. Um, we learn at home and we learn in society and schools are a big part of that. 
and the the uh, uh, the scripture in, in, in Proverbs uh, uh, twenty two, I believe I believe it's verse six, very well known scripture says, "Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from that." And if our children aren't getting the education that they need about wellness, whether it's someone teaching them, classroom, uh, neighborhood, in the home, uh, at daycare, or, or whatever it, the, the place that they learn is, then how will they know about it? And if they're not getting those things on a daily basis in, in terms of nutrition, um, exercise, uh, talking about your emotions and, and feelings, feelings and your, your, your mental health, then how will they know? So if you, if you think about uh, the hierarchy of our school systems in this country, and, and we know the, the better schools, right, are in the better zip codes. And the schools with fewer means are the ones uh, that are in the uh, uh, neighborhoods with the lower means. So those school systems struggle quite a bit. And, 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 and think about when our, when our children start school, when they start uh, kindergarten and first grade, that is a huge chunk of the 24 hours that we all get each and every day. And so while they, they do need to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, and all of those things, those things matter very little if when they finish high school and go off to college or go into the workforce, they don't know how to handle their emotional well-being. They don't know uh, why it's important to eat right. They don't know why it's important to drink lots of water every day. They don't understand that this whole wellness approach is part of their own personal system to living a happy and productive life, then how are they going to fix it if things go wrong? So to me, uh, that is the bigger problem that I think our community has a a, a, a much bigger hurdle, as we do with most hurdles, our hurdles are much higher um, because of some of the inherent issues uh, that we have uh, based on you know, a whole plethora of, of reasons historically uh, why, you know, when, when America gets cold, uh, I like to say uh, black community gets pneumonia. And, and we're seeing that in, in spades right now with, with the COVID ep epidemic and, and, and other issues that we see day in and day out. I, did that answer the question? Yes, it did. So um, my next question would be, what do you recommend um, at this time when physical activity for a lot of people is a challenge? Uh, there was a time when many of us were locked down. You couldn't really go out. Um, there was so social distancing as well. So just a walk in the park. Um, you know, was, was a problem for a time. There are many, many weeks of just um, 
us living a very sedentary lifestyle. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we had Mr. Jem Pagan uh, on, on the uh, podcast with us, and he was talking about the various things that he was doing uh, as, a, as an individual to, you know, to enhance his physical activity. He said he would go up the stairs a couple of times. He would cook more himself so that he, he was sure that he was eating right. Um, we also talked about the importance of uh, um, the way corporations were more family friendly so that people would be on a Zoom call and you would see children sort of like just sprinting across um, something that would have been frowned on a couple of months ago. You know, I, so what do you recommend? Um, everyone is, do, in, is buying some kind of personal care product, beauty product. Everyone's trying to eat healthy. What else do you recommend in terms of fitness for mind and body, um, uh, preventative medicine, personalized medicine, which is becoming such a big thing now? Um, for spa, well, if you can afford it, you can do spa, but for most people, for those who can't, what do you recommend? Because if all those things are working fine, then workplace wellness isn't such a big thing because you're going into the workplace healthy. So, so what do you recommend? Yeah, sure. So, so under these types of circumstances, we've all, we've all had to deal with it. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't have a home with a, with a personal gym or, or your own swimming pool, uh, uh, my wife and I took up swimming um, at the, as a, as a, I don't usually do New Year's resolutions, but we did do a New Year's resolution going into 2019. So it's been about a year and a half that we have been swimming, um, and uh, we don't have our our own pool. So during um, the COVID lockdown, it was difficult for for me, and I work out uh, typically four four days. A week, um, I, I use weights. I use um, cardio work on on the treadmill, and I and I swim every chance I get. So those those first few weeks were were tough, and and they were tough because we were just trying to deal with this this new situation of being locked down, and that is a, a emotional hit. That's an emotional hit to our well-being. And I mentioned earlier that we have two teenagers in the house. So when we went on spring break um, and then we came back, it was announced that school was not going to reopen after spring break. So initially, my, my uh, high school juniors were ecstatic. They were absolutely happy. Man, virtual learning, this is great. I don't have to go to school. After two weeks, they were at the other end of the spectrum. They could not wait to get out of the house. They were asking us a gazillion questions a day. When is this going over? So their emotions had run uh, the gamut in, in two weeks. And we really had to focus on, on working on them with how do they manage stress? Um, how do they now overcome the fear of this virus, which in the beginning, they thought, okay, this is something that's going to go away soon, and then we'll be back to normal. And then they finally, it finally sunk in that, no, this is something a bit more serious uh, than, some, than some flu bug that comes around every season, uh, for example. So there was a lot of work that we had to put into being attentive to both their positive and negative feelings, which 
were hitting them each and every day. Now, you asked about the physical uh, aspect. Uh, eventually, once we got them to a really good place on how are we going to handle uh, this situation of us being really pretty much, and we were in the house. Uh, my wife was the, the designated guinea pig. Uh, only we, we decided only one person got to leave the house uh, in those early days when we had no real clue how bad this thing really was. Uh, so she was the only one that would leave to go get groceries and do things uh, out, outside of the home. Uh, but but once we got their mindset and their emotions adjusted to how to deal uh, with this situation that is completely abnormal, then we started introducing uh, physical activity at home. So we have yoga balls. Uh, we have mats. Uh, we have ab wheels in the house, and we did uh, a lot of calisthenics and did them together as a family unit and started to try and create some sort of regimen here in the house. And, and that's a, a very important the regimen is very important because we are creatures of habit. So that's part of the self-awareness. You must know what your habits are, what your what yourself enjoys, what it likes, and feed into that. And if they are healthy things that you are doing, then you will uh, reap the benefit of having those healthy habits. So we got them to deal with the emotional aspect, got their emotions settled right, let them know that, hey, this could be a long haul here. Uh, we don't know. They don't make vaccines overnight. And this clearly every week we were seeing how, how deadly that this virus was, how contagious that it was, and that it wasn't something that was just going to go away overnight. Then we started getting them into a, a physical routine and, and that helped them to be able to adapt, uh, which is a, another wellness characteristic that we all have to uh, learn. Uh, how to do. Uh, little children adapt very well. And, and somehow, and I think it has something to do with the way we teach them, um, we're, we're fearless as, as small children. And somehow, you know, we're taught to fear things and we become less adaptable and then we have to learn those things later again in life. I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I haven't quite figured that out. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, Kendall Norris. This week's episode is brought to you by the 2020 Women of Color STEM Conference. And now, a word from our sponsor. From waves of change come oceans of opportunities. This has always been our Women of Color STEM Conference message and mission. Now more than ever, we are expanding our rich history and track record of hosting live streamed award shows and interviews, virtual job fairs, learning and networking experiences as we reset to rise at our 2020 Women of Color Virtual STEM Conference. October 8th through the 10th, the world is counting on us. 
Come ride the waves of change as you explore our limitless oceans of opportunities that can enrich, inspire, connect, and support your continued professional and personal growth that have always been the hallmarks of our women-driven conference. Together, we can help our nation's industries, government, academia, and the military reset, reinvent, and re-energize. You belong here within our trusted community. Ride the waves of change as we reset to rise. The world is counting on us. Again, this episode of High Tech Sunday is brought to you by the 2020 Women of Color STEM Conference. Now, back to the show. Mm, that's, that's a lot there and a lot of good things, a lot of positivity. A couple of weeks ago, we had the uh, chair of the Women of Color Conference uh, alumni group, uh, and uh, she talked a lot about in many homes, you have, especially uh, the barriers for black women, you have uh, mothers who are, they're single mothers, um, they're raising kids on their own, um, they're the sole breadwinners. So so there are a lot of challenges there, uh, financial challenges. And of course, with their financial challenges, you're also going to have a lot of other challenges as well. Uh, so what, what do we say to that community? Um, you know, because what you've described in, in your family, you, you're getting a lot of things right. So what do we say to people who uh, do not have the, the privileges that we have in terms of information, education, access, finance, and all that sort of thing? What are the structural barriers for them? And, and why is wellness important at the forefront of our education to help families like those? Sure. Absolutely. And um, that's why uh, one of the reasons why I, I try to do all that I can um, to, to help others on, on my personal journey. So I mentioned that I'm the first in my family to graduate from, from, from college. Uh, I have two degrees now. I have five siblings. I'm the oldest. Uh, we grew up in a single parent household, um, and I, being the oldest, I watched my mother go through those struggles uh, every single day. Um, my mother suffered uh, two nervous breakdowns. Uh, our family was separated when we were children on uh, a number of two separate occasions. Uh, when when uh, my mother was hospitalized, and then after the second hospitalization, um, she came home and, and spoke to me. She picked me up first. Um, she looked me really, really deeply into my eyes and, and got her face really close to mine and said, son, I promise you that never again will this family ever be separated. And that was a powerful, emotional um, uh, feeling that she invoked in me because I could see and feel uh, the pain that she felt and the determination in that moment. And um, it, it really drove me to want to 
uh, help her in any way that, that I could. Uh, because, and I was probably 11 or 12 years old, uh, but that was a moment of maturation for me. Uh, I probably became, you know, 15 years old in, in, in just that uh, interaction um, with, with my mother. And after that, she really uh, um, changed. Um, it seemed like she had much more uh, fortitude. She was much more forceful in the household uh, about making sure that we did everything we could in, in, in school. And, and she was uh, much more forceful about teaching us about becoming adults and becoming independent. So to those families uh, that are struggling, yes, it, it, it's common, especially in, in our community. Um, but those single parent black mothers are truly uh, the backbone of our communities. And, and, and while they carry uh, a lot of strength, they also do need some of these um, aspects of wellness that I'm talking about as well. Um, they, you, you need to be able to manage your stress. And, and some of the ways that, that, that you can do that is to fellowship with others. Um, my mother uh, threw herself into the church. Um, skills and hobbies. She started back playing the piano again and then began playing for uh, the church. Um, she started taking much better care of herself, eating and uh, uh, physical activity. And um, she started teaching us uh, how to cook, how to cook balanced meals, and things like that. So it really was a focus within, into yourself, and into those around you, your your family unit, um, and 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 then I I think it spread to to us as kids because um, you know I talked to my siblings and I said guys we got to help mom here. Uh, she didn't, and I told them you know. The conversation uh, that we had, she only had it uh, with me, and that created kind of a, you know, an us against the world a mentality within our family unit, and it really actually pulled us even even closer together. Wow, it's deep. As you as you speak, uh, I I am reminded of a, a lot of the challenges that I went through as a single mother. Um, my son turns thirty. Uh, on the 13th of August. And I remember all the challenges that, that I went through with him and uh, his younger brother who is now deceased. So I, I, I hear you, I understand a lot of what you're saying and um, carry that with me in my heart. Uh, at this point, I am going to hand a uh, step back and uh, hand you back to uh, Dr. Vaughn's uh, segment of the show and looking forward to hearing more about uh, other solutions and other topics that you're bringing to this issue. Thank you so very much, Mr. Norris. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. And it really has been uh, so instructive to hear the part of the conversation that gets down to what this really means and how we can begin to uh, deal with uh, being well uh, on all levels. And so, uh, Mr. Norris, you were just sharing a bit about how 
each of us individually and even uh, in regards to our family unit can take responsibility for uh, helping each other. Uh, and I was reflecting as you were speaking about a common thread that started to show up in many of uh, these podcast conversations. And it was in regards to our being our brother's keeper. So if we uh, expand up on that, if you think about corporations, for example, uh, companies, uh, institutions, uh, what is it that we should be looking to them for uh, as far as solutions uh, to the wellness issue uh, is concerned, especially as it pertains to their own employees? Yes, uh, that's a that's a very good point to to discuss. Corporations have, and, and it, it it it's not a new phenomenon for corporations to promote uh, wellness, health, and wellness in their companies, and to incentivize their employees to do healthy things. They 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 give. Uh, um, bonuses and time off uh, from work and all sorts of recognition and uh, funds to incentivize and, and pay for uh, memberships. Or uh, uh, when I was previously at Deloitte, uh, I could even um, have a certain amount per year of my golf fees paid for under our health and wellness plan, right? So anything to get you out there and get you active because for them, it contributes to the bottom line. Because if they have a bunch of employees that are unhealthy, whether it's physically, emotionally, uh, mentally, then they're gonna either miss work or they're not going to be productive at work at all. So it's in corporations' best interest to help employees um, do better in the wellness spectrum. Now, what um, I found through some research is that even with all of those incentives, companies are having a difficult time in general in getting employees to take full advantage of those things to, until something goes wrong. And that's where I believe we really have to change our mindset around our well-being because today and our healthcare system is a part of the problem as well we have reactive healthcare we have reactive approaches to wellness so um you know lango um goes riding ray goes hiking i swim those are all uh, uh, very good things, but our population in general uh, doesn't necessarily do that. And then nutrition is such a huge part of what we do. Uh, our food base today is very different than it was 50 years ago. We have so many packaged products today that didn't even exist uh, 50 years ago. And if I count up the amount of times uh, that we ate outside of the home versus 
eating meals that were cooked within the home or by, by my mother or, or by any of uh, our siblings or, or myself, um, it was probably 90-10, eating in the home 90%, out 10%. Uh, many households, uh, that ratio is completely flipped nowadays. So those things uh, contribute to unhealthy lifestyles. And I mentioned it's a it's a mindset, and and I, and I and I think I opened at the top by saying that wellness is an active choice, and we are creatures of habit, and it only takes us several times of doing a certain thing that it becomes a habit. So it's very easy to change processes and technologies, but it's a very hard thing to change mindsets and behaviors. And in order to do that for yourself, then you have to become habit forming in a good way. And that often um, takes help. Um, just us having this conversation today uh, hearing Lango talk about riding the bike reminded me that I have a bike in the garage that I probably haven't ridden uh, in over a year, and I love bike riding. But I have now gotten in the habit of swimming. And one of the first things that I was so excited to do once they started lifting uh, the restrictions uh, was to go get back in the pool because I really, really, really had missed it. And while, while I was way out of shape after not having swam for three months, uh, it was very exciting. And I've probably uh, been back in the pool seven or eight times in, in, the, past, in, in the past two weeks now. So um, getting in the habit of, of, of really actively thinking about how am I um, um, going to eat healthy? How am I going to connect more with others? How am I going to build physical activity into my uh, daily routine? How am I going to pick up some of those hobbies and explore some of those skills that I used to, 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 to love in the past? Those are all stress management activities uh, that we can do, and 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 those things are are, are critical. And 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 we're talking about high tech. Uh, you know, we're a we're in a tech driven world, and there are quite a few apps and other uh, types of technologies out there that now help that. Uh, they they help motivate you. They connect you uh, with others, and they help guide you through programs uh, that you can do to start building those healthy habits. So you were uh, really, uh, again, touching on a, a systems kind of viewpoint uh, as you were speaking about uh, the different sectors that uh, come into play in regards to encouraging uh, folks around, especially the physical wellness, uh, but 
You also touched on something that I think uh, we can probe a little bit further, uh, and that is uh, how excited you were when uh, some of the reopening happened and you were able to get back uh, to the gym, back into the pool. Unfortunately, for some, uh, that reopening was short-lived and things started to go back the other way. And that really takes a toll uh, sometimes on the emotional wellness. Uh, and then when you, when you think about what so many families and communities are experiencing right now uh, with the question about going back to school, how is it in your experience uh, that folks can take care of each other uh, even when they are not able to actually be together. Uh, you talked about the, the different technologies, and I'm sure apps were on your mind, but uh, from an emotional wellness standpoint, how is it that uh, we can help each other uh, when we can't touch each other these days? Yeah, you, you, we, we got to check in on each other. Uh, we absolutely do. I, I have a rule. Uh, I don't remember when I... Uh, developed it, but I have a rule that when um, someone crosses my mind, I, I reach out to them to just to check and see how they are doing. Um, in, in my family, uh, we've got a, a a group text of about I don't know eleven of us. I don't think any of the kids are on it, but most of the adults are on it, and 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 we send texts and pictures uh, all the time. Uh, one of my brothers, we call him Mr. Facebook. Uh, he's always on Facebook and he's always reaching out uh, to each other. But a, a key aspect of managing our emotions, and, and this kind of delves into uh, the spiritual, because uh, spirituality, in my opinion, relates to our systems of faith, faith beliefs, our values, our principles, our morals, and our ethics. And, and someone mentioned earlier, about being my brother's keeper, and we really are. We are our keepers of each other's well-being because not only as humans are we uh, um, creatures of habit, uh, but we are creatures that also require other human interaction. Uh, there are very few true hermits in, in the world. Um, we have to interact with one another, and, and that's where being a brother's keeper absolutely comes into play. And, and even when you're down, um, it's often a natural reaction, you know, to want to curl up in the ball and, and close the curtains and, and, and be alone because you don't feel like you want to be around others in, in that state. Uh, but that's absolutely the time when you do need to be around others and and it's okay to call somebody text somebody reach out to them send them whatever message smoke signals if you if you have to uh to say i i'm not okay right now and um i get some of those messages and i send some of those uh, messages out as as well because we in fact are our brother's keeper and and we do hold uh, a piece of each other's wellness uh, within ourselves. 
I really appreciate that. Uh, again, that that part of your own uh, testimony being shared, and and it triggered for me uh, how much things have changed. We've talked in prior uh, podcasts about you don't really think about things like. Uh, college graduations, high school graduations, uh, the canceling of uh, spring sports, uh, weddings put on hold or, or significantly changed until uh, they impact you. Uh, and so uh, by God's grace, my mother uh, turned 82 last Thursday. My mother-in-law turned 86 last Friday, and our son turned 18 today. Uh, normally, those would be occasions for, you know, big family get-togethers. Uh, and so we did. We had big family get-togethers on Zoom. Uh, and so uh, we, we just took it virtual. Uh, so we're, we're uh, trying to, of course, look out for each other, uh, but at the same time, uh, making the clear case that we're still family, we're still connected. It's just a different kind of connection. And so uh, your comments there just really resonate with how we uh, have to uh, continue to stay connected, even though it requires uh, perhaps a different means to do so. So thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, encouraging uh, that same kind of behavior, especially making it okay for you to let folks know when you're not okay. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we, yeah. Uh, and so uh, I would be remiss if we wrapped up the conversation without asking you uh, just one question, uh, maybe two, uh, if you'll indulge, about the Global Leadership Forum. Uh, the mission statement uh, that we heard uh, in the introduction was so powerful and so timely. Uh, so I'm interested to know from you, how has the work of GLF been helped or hindered uh, over the course of the last several months uh, as a result of how we're managing through uh, this global pandemic? Sure. So um, overall, I, I would say um, um, helped. And I, I say overall uh, because in, in April, uh, we were supposed to have a couple of events, uh, one in partnership with the T.D. Jakes Foundation. Bishop Jakes uh, has a newly formed foundation that, that uh, uh, started operations in January, and they had their big international leadership summit plan for the middle of April in Charlotte, which uh, usually gets about 11,000 people. And we were uh, planning to have a session um, and have uh, Bishop Jakes and, 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 and Dave Stewart be a part of that session where we invited about 30 other nonprofit organizations focused on STEM or STEAM education and professional development come together and really um, take our work as an ecosystem to the next level. Um, we weren't able to have that uh, session in person in Charlotte. But we did have a, a virtual meeting. It was a two-hour meeting uh, versus an all-day session that we wanted to have. So we weren't able to do everything that we uh, wanted to do in person. But I was pleasantly surprised that 60-plus people showed up for 
uh, for that virtual event. So we are, uh, humans are very adaptive creatures uh, if we allow ourselves to be so. Um, so that's one uh, wonderful example of, you know, where we turn lemons into lemonade, uh, so to speak. Um, but we also had to not have the annual uh, GLF summit in person. Now, with what's happening with the pandemic and the obvious gaps um, in health and wellness in, in black and brown communities, and then couple that with all of the civil unrest uh, around the uh, um, George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and, and we can just list all of the names of um, undue deaths that have happened at the hands of, of individuals and police. That has really prompted uh, organizations to want to do something um, because it, it's in your face now, right? There, there's just no denying that um, there are major disparities. Uh, today, we're talking about um, wellness and, and the education around that wellness uh, disparity that, that, that is huge. Uh, but, but take your pick, take your area. Uh, the gaps are there and they're very obvious. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, um, it takes those kinds of incidents to raise people's consciousness or to no longer be able to deny uh, that these things exist. And so that is um, helping in that way uh, with getting corporations to the table to have real conversations, uh, bring forth real resources, and look for real solutions. Real resources, real conversations, real solutions. That is a headline in and of itself and a great note for us to end on. Uh, Mr. Kendall Norris, it has been really a pleasure having the opportunity to chat with you today about education and wellness, critically important topics to every one of us as we go through this challenging time together. With that, I'm going to thank everyone for joining us today, and uh, certainly to my co-host, Lango Dean, and I'm going to hand it back over to Brandon Newby to lead us out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.